Real quick before we dive into today's topic, a few episodes back, I talked about establishing rituals and how that helps you fortify your body and mind in preparation for the work that we do. When I gave some details about the ways that I utilize rituals, I mentioned that I use a personal shaver from Manscaped to trim my armpits and my downstairs region. Well, I want to make an announcement and let you know that Manscaped has partnered with me to offer listeners 20% off and free shipping with the code IGNITED at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use the code IGNITED. Unlock your confidence with the new Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped. I'm fortunate to be one of the few people that they sent their brand new personal shaver to, the Lawnmower 4.0, and this thing is legit, I gotta tell you. It's got an LED light on it, so you can see what the heck it is you're doing down there. It's got wireless charging, a skin-safe ceramic blade to keep you from slicing things up down there, and it's waterproof, so you can take it in the shower if you want. If you're using the same shaver to trim your body and your face, you're doing it wrong. Get the new Lawnmower 4.0 and change your world. Remember to use code IGNITED for 20% off and free shipping. You're listening to the Ignited Firefighter Podcast with Ryan Rodriguez. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I had a guest on, Ben Dubin, and he talked about Wim Hof and finding it, which is like your inner truth. Um, it was a bit of an introduction into Ben, and we only touched on a few surface items in regards to cold therapy and breathing. However, in this episode, kind of an unofficial part two, we dive deeper into the science behind it all so you guys can understand why these things are so important and how they relate to the fire service. In today's conversation, we'll talk about breathing, we'll talk more about cold therapy, we'll talk all about the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system, and we'll talk about how harnessing these things can benefit you and make you a stronger and more productive firefighter. Without further delay, here's my conversation with Mr. Ben Dubin. Mr. Ben Dubin, thanks for coming back to the show, buddy. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here, man. Absolutely. Um, so we kind of talked about this before we hit record, but um, the last episode we did was was fairly recently, just a, just a couple of episodes back. And we both felt it was really important to jump into the science of all of the the things that we, you had kind of given an introduction to. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a bit about breathing and uh, cold therapy, but today let's dive into those things more specific. Let's talk about how they scientifically can help us, why we should be utilizing them, and uh, maybe some practical steps on each one that, you know, maybe people out there as beginners who haven't actually heard of or actually implemented any of this stuff into their lives, maybe give them some practical first little baby steps that they could take. So just a refresher on uh, what we talked about last time. Why don't you just give us like a, like a one minute refresher? Sure. Sure. Like I said, thank, thanks for having me again. And, and I'm Ben Dubin. I work for, you know, Tempe fire medical rescue, and I'm also a certified Wim Hof method instructor. And for those of you who don't know what the Wim Hof method is, it's, based on three very simple pillars. Uh, one is breath work. The other one is a gradual adaptation to cold therapy or ice baths. And the third pillar, to me, the most important, and we talked about this last time, is commitment. 
And when you combine all three of these very simple, easy to implement pillars together, you know, I, I don't, I don't say very often that something can change someone's life. Uh, but this is something I stand by and I've stood by it from when I first started practicing and noticing the benefits. If, if people truly want to change and feel better and be a little bit happier, have a little bit less stress, have a little bit less fatigue, more energy, this absolutely as simple as it seems can 100% change your life to give you everything that you're looking for. And I know it sounds, it sounds crazy. And, and if I was listening to me talk, I'm like, all right, here goes another guy talking about something that can change your life. But I can't tell you how many first responders I've worked with that when they've committed to it, I, I get those text messages like, you know what, you're right. This, this has changed my life and this is a practice I'm going to be doing forever. And so it's, it's just had a tremendous impact on a lot of people. And it's just so important not just to hear the anecdotal, um, how people feel, because feeling's important. It's important to learn how people feel and how, how the method has impacted them in a positive way. But it's also super important to understand kind of why they're feeling this way and what's happening at our nervous system, at our physiological level, so we can start connecting the dots from science to feeling and from feeling to science to kind of bring that practical aspect into how we can become what we want to become by very simple techniques such as breathing in, in ice water. Yeah, 100% agree, man. And and you, you brought up the practicality aspect of it. I feel like these are some of the things that, like these elements, the elements of the Wim Hof method, uh, you mentioned breath work, cold therapy, and commitment. Honestly, those are things that aren't going to cost really any money. Right. You know, they're so practical to the point. Yeah, exactly. They're so practical to the point where there's really little to no barrier to entry on it. Um, and I love that uh, you had mentioned uh, feeling more energized, uh, feeling more alert, all of these things that we face as shift workers, as firefighters, you know, we had just talked about, we both came off duty this morning and we had some hellacious nights mm. and, and these, these are the types of things that we can do after those hellacious nights to kind of get back on track so we can be present at home in our family lives and, and in our personal lives. So we're not just working or that we're not just living for the shift. Hundred mm -hmm. you know, percent, so and and that's been the biggest impact that this has had on me and so many others. You know, like we talked about last night. You know, my truck ran six calls after midnight, maybe dozed off for thirty minutes. You know, that's kind of hard to even say. I don't feel like I did, yeah. um, but got home this morning. You know, gave my wife a kiss, got my kid off to a summer camp. I went to work out. And now I'm here. So, yeah, of course, you're tired, you're fatigued, but it's different. You know, you're not irritable. You're not angry. You're not constantly in your head thinking, man, I didn't get any sleep last night. You mm -hmm. can be productive. You can have energy. You can get through the day, not just getting through it, trucking through because I have to, but yeah. because I can and I want to. And I feel good enough to have a great day at home, not letting what we do for a living impact our home life like it used to, you know. Mm -hmm. Working on busy trucks, I, back in the day, I'd get home and I'd have to go take a nap for two, three hours. And I can't tell you the last yeah. time that I had to get home and be like, you know what, honey, I got to go sleep. I just, I just don't. I just, as long as I'm doing this method first thing in the morning, I'm good to go all day. I just am. And I nice. want other people to have that opportunity 
So they can be present at home. They can be engaged. They can really enjoy their family because they, you deserve it. They deserve it yeah. because of the hard work that, that the whole family puts in when you're at work and the hard work that you put in when you're at work. You deserve to go home and be happy and have plenty of energy. Yeah. And the firefighter families, everybody's making a sacrifice of some form or another. Yeah. You know, kids are going without dad or mom for two, one to two days and, and our spouses have to keep things on the level at the home front. And that's mm-hmm. stressful enough. And basically single parents for periods of time. My wife says she's um, a part time single mom and she's absolutely yeah, right. She is. It's, it's true. Very, it's very difficult. They, they have to do a lot when we're gone and when we come home, you know, we owe it to them. We owe it to ourselves to, to be a part of the family and not have to disassociate ourselves because we need time to recover because there's other things we can do to take control of that nervous system so we can have a great day. Yeah, exactly. And another thing you, um, I think you touched on was, uh, that this is all natural. It's not like you have to uh, pound rock stars or or any of that Mm -hmm. other stuff, you know, and, and our guys tend to have a a bad habit when it comes to energy drinks and, and that in itself, those things really, I have a whole other episode all about how I, I have a disdain for them because they, Mm -hmm. they really affect your, your neuro pathways. They affect your ability to introduce these kinds of rhythms that are necessary Mm -hmm. for you to be not just physically healthy, but mentally healthy as well. And, and and this is really, yeah, go ahead. We have a pharmacy inside of us and we do, we have everything, all the tools, every, all the chemicals, all the hormones, we have those inside of us. We, we take things to release those chemicals and hormones to give us the feeling that we're going after, but we all have everything we need inside of us. We just need to learn or be taught how to tap into that pharmacy mm-hmm. literally whenever and wherever you want to create the feeling that we're going for when we take something from the outside in and, and mm-hmm. we have that power inside and we can tap into it whenever we want. Yeah. Agreed, man. That's good that you mentioned that. Cause I was, that was a good segue into my next thought is that, uh, you know, as paramedics, we want to go least invasive to most invasive when it Good comes point, to yeah. helping the people that we serve. Mm-hmm. We don't just, you know, if someone's got a cough, we don't just jump straight to intubating them mm-hmm. and sedating them. We don't just jump straight to that. We, we kind of go step by step, least invasive to most invasive. And with this method, it's great because there's no, like the most invasive for me is, is going to be the cold therapy aspect of it. <laughs> You know, and, and we'll talk about that too, but there's no, there's no reliance on outside chemicals. There's no reliance on prescription medications. You know, when, when our, our country is just so inundated and saturated with sedatives and pills and short-term abatements rather than long-term, I don't want to say fixes, but long-term corrections in our physiology. And I think this lines up 100% perfectly with that. So let's start off with the breathing aspect of it. That's You mentioned the three aspects, breath work, cold therapy, and commitment. And uh, we can go in that order if you want, or if there's a different order you'd like to go in. Yeah. So I, when I when I first talk about this, I really want people to understand the nervous system. So let's start talking about the nervous system and our physiology and our our general general response to stress and kind of how it's supposed to work, how it's working now in society, kind of what the challenge and what the problem is, 
and then how we can correct that with breath work, cold, and commitment. So our nervous system is broken up into our autonomic nervous system is broken up into two main parts. We have our sympathetic, our fight or flight part of our nervous system. Then we have the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest part of who we are as humans. And as humans, we're supposed to be in that parasympathetic aspect, literally, you know, most of our lives, unless we're truly facing a stressful, life-threatening situation, in which case that fight or flight kicks in to protect us. So the way our physiology was kind of engaged as we, you know, evolution came and we were hunter gatherers back in the day is, you know, as a caveman or however you want to picture it, you go out to gather your food to go feed your family. So as you're going out, you're on high alert because there's predators everywhere. And let's say you're going to pick some berries off a tree and you grab the berries to go back and feed your wife and kids in the cave. And then there's a saber tooth tiger, you know, a hundred yards away that has you in its crosshairs. And a saber-toothed tiger starts to chase you. So what happens? Well, your body kicks into that sympathetic, that fight-or-flight aspect of your nervous system. So in the brain, what happens at a very basic, simplified level is you have something called your amygdala. Your amygdala in your brain is kind of your alarm system that's saying, hey, a stressful event is about to happen. We need to turn this system on to protect us. So then the amygdala activates something called the HPA axis, which stands for hypothalamus pituitary adrenals. And what that does, once that's engaged, that releases your stress hormones, your adrenaline, your noradrenaline, and your cortisol. Now your adrenaline and noradrenaline are gonna increase your heart rate, increase your blood pressure, increase your blood flow to get that blood to the muscles so you can start to engage them to run away from the, you know, the thing that is chasing you and trying to attack you. And then cortisol is going to help release glucose or sugar from our liver to give our muscles the energy, the sugar, so we can actually run fast, run far to escape that threat. So that's how our stress response is supposed to work. The amygdala recognizes there's a threat that saber tooth tiger is chasing you, activates that HPA axis. You release your stress hormones to escape that situation. Now, once we've escaped that situation, let's say we survive that event, we go back into our cave, we shut our cave door, we're completely safe, there's no more threat, we're feeding our family. What happens is cortisol goes back up to the brain that we just released, and it says the stress is no longer there, you survive, the stress is over, you can turn the system off. So then your system switches from that sympathetic fight or flight aspect to the parasympathetic, the rest and digest, the feed and breed, whatever you wanna call it, part of our nervous system. And like I said, as humans, we're supposed to be in that parasympathetic pretty much all day, every day, unless we're truly facing a life-threatening event. So that's really the only way the system turns on and that's the only way the system turns off is once that stress is over, it's able to shut everything down. So what's the problem? The challenge is our brain, our physiology, cannot tell the difference between a real life stressful event happening in real time versus a thought that we are thinking in our head. It reacts the same exact way every single time. So then as first responders, if we're thinking about a traumatic call that we had last month, last year, five years ago, 10 years ago, if we're just thinking about it and it was a challenging call and there's emotions attached to it, well, like I said, your physiology cannot tell the difference that that is not actually happening right now. So your amygdala recognizes that there's a stress because you're thinking about it. 
it activates the HPA axis and your body dumps adrenaline, noradrenaline and cortisol. So your heart rate might go up, you might start sweating, you might start breathing heavily, cortisol gets released. And then once that thought is passed, you realize, okay, I can put that behind me or whatever it is. Cortisol goes back up to the brain and it says, hey, there's no more stress. We're done thinking about that. We can turn the system off. So then your system goes from sympathetic to parasympathetic. And so what I ask people when I talk to them is how many truly in the moment, in real life, life-threatening situations are you having every single day versus how many stressful situations are you just thinking about throughout the day? And most people say, well, I'm thinking about a lot more stressors than, than that are actually happening to me, whether I'm thinking about the past or I'm anticipating the future. We're taught to anticipate worst case scenario because if that happens, we're ready for it. And if anything less happens, then we've got it covered. So then every time we're having a thought, so let's say we have that thought about a bad call and then your significant other calls you while you're at work and there's an argument or you know a fight over the phone, your stress system gets activated, adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol, the fight's over, it's resolved, cortisol goes back up and says you can turn the system off. And then let's say 10 minutes later, something else happens, you know, you're stuck in traffic or, you know, your kid has a problem at school or you're thinking about a financial problem you had or you're thinking about a nasty divorce that you went through. Every single time we're thinking about these situations, that HPA axis is activating and we're dumping those hormones inside our body. Then once we're done thinking about it, the cortisol goes back up and it turns it off. Well, our bodies are, in the physiology are pretty smart. So if as humans, we're constantly thinking about these things that we can't control, whether it's the past or the future, instead of turning the system on and turning the system off over and over and over again, it's just going to say, you know what, we're going to stay on this verge of fight or flight all day long, because in 10 minutes anyway, you're going to be thinking about something that's going to have to turn this on. And it's super inefficient for me to turn it on and turn it off and turn it on and turn it off. So we're going to stay on this constant edge waiting for that next shoe to drop because we need to be ready for that next thought that you're going to have or the next stressful situation that you're going to be going through. And that's where chronic stress comes into play. If we're constantly waiting for the next thing to happen, we never truly get the opportunity to turn off that sympathetic or fight or flight part of our nervous system and be where we're supposed to be in that rest mode. And that's kind of the big thing about what this method can do. It almost hits the reset button, forcing you, putting you automatically in that parasympathetic state through the breath work and through the cold. So you can now let go of those things that you've been holding on to. You can clear your head, you can refresh, you can reset, and then be able to go on with your day without having those stressors impact you. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Um, and as you talk about this, I'm making some notes here. Uh, mm -hmm. this is why, this is why, as you say this, I can, I can think of individuals that, uh, that are in that constant ready state all mm -hmm. the time at work. Now there are moments when, when I'm at work and I do 48 hour shifts and I'm sure you do the 24 hour shifts, but mm -hmm. when we're there, Sometimes it gets to a point that I almost forget that I'm at work because yeah. I'm so mentally invested in something else like a project or I'm reading something or I'm studying something that it allows, it offers my brain that time to 
forget to be in that ready state, if you will. Mm, yeah. But even so, there's still that little bit of uh, of mentality that's that's lingering. And so, even if we were to go our full 24-hour shift or our full 48-hour shift and not have a single call, we're still mm-hmm. affected by that at the ready state, whether we want 100%. to admit it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, our our body and our mind is still primed for that. And mm-hmm. and you talked about that discipline and thought that it takes to help bring us out of that and so that we're not constantly on that. Now, worst case scenario, we would be on high alert during our whole shift, right? Our whole 24 mm-hmm. or 48, we'd be on high alert. Um, but man, when we get off duty, even then some of our, some of our people have a difficult time shutting that off. And so they have trouble sleeping at home. Like you said, you become irritable and your relationships suffer. All of these things are affected by this catalyst of feeling like you have to be at the ready at all times. And, Mm -hmm. and you bring up a good point that, um, as your, as your body practices this understanding that, okay, we don't have to be at the ready all the time. It's going to help you mitigate that stress reaction in your, in your day-to-day life. That's great, man. That, that's really good yeah, insight. It's, it's at least going to show you that it's possible not to constantly yeah. be in your head. You know, it might just be five minutes today, but maybe that's the wedge that we need to show ourselves that we don't constantly have to be thinking about these things that we can't control. Like, so whether it's the yeah. past or the future or anticipation or arguments or financials, relationships or grief, we don't have to be in our head all the time. So this gives you the opportunity to show yourself that, man, there is hope. There is a possibility that I can be clear headed. I can be relaxed. And, you know, the end goal of all this, you know, we know firefighter suicide rate is astonishingly high. You know, police mm-hmm. suicide rate is astonishingly high. You know, these individuals, you know, they probably lost hope that they, they, they have nowhere else. They have nowhere else to turn. They don't know what else to do because they're stuck in, in whatever they're stuck in. And these yeah. are the individuals that, you know, we truly want to impact just to show them, yeah, I know you've lost hope, but, you know, give us 30 minutes. Let me just show you that there is a possibility that, in these 30 minutes, you can have five minutes of happiness that maybe you never thought was possible again. Yeah. And if we can show them five minutes, maybe that's enough to get them to the next day, which is going to be 10 minutes or 20 minutes, and keep showing them that you are in control. You don't have to be a victim of your thoughts. You don't have to be a victim of your physiology. You can be in charge. You have the ability to be happy healthy and strong right now if you just put a little bit of work in so you know that's truly why we do this work is to impact those individuals that think there's nothing else out there there's no hope there's no way they can be happy there's no way that you know they can go on that you know maybe just maybe we can give them a little bit of a wedge to show them that hey you know what it's possible absolutely absolutely all the stories i've heard and and things i've read and even some suicide survivors they'll say you know they felt like uh they felt like hope was lost just like you mentioned mm-hmm. and and they couldn't turn it off they just mm-hmm. they just don't know how to turn it off but with but this way you know th- this practice this discipline uh offers that ability it offers that mm-hmm. it gives you that power right back into your hands where you have control again and you have the the active choice and the active control to make sure that uh that you don't succumb to that loss of hope and 
even as we're talking now, I'm like, I wonder that, I wonder if that's why firefighters, why we love dogs so much, you know, cause they, they're not <laughs> thinking about, they're not thinking about next week. All they're doing is living in the moment, like loving life in the moment doesn't even matter, but that's a side note. It's a great philosopher named Eckhart Tolle. And and one of his quotes from his books is when people tend to think about the past, it brings up depression. And when we anticipate the future, it brings up anxiety. So if we're truly honest with ourselves, how many of our thoughts throughout the day are about the past, something that has happened or is about the future, something that really hasn't even happened yet Two events that we have literally no control over that we spend so much of our energy, so much of our time, so much of our thoughts, so much of our stressors thinking about what we have no control over that. Yeah. And so what, what, what this does is it puts you back in the driver's seat, showing you that you do have control your environment. Like we talked about last time, it doesn't have to impact you, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's a reason I'll talk about the ice really quickly to start you know, let's just look at it from a, a 30,000 foot view. If I have someone getting into a 35 degree ice bath and when they get in, what do you think they're thinking about? Right, man, how they're cold is this? Cold. That's it. Crap, this is cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're not thinking about those Anything calls else? they ran two years ago. They're not thinking about the financial challenge. They're not thinking about the relationship challenge. They're not thinking about how freaking tired they are from being up all night. Yeah. All they're thinking about is right here, right now, that this is cold. And there's so much power in just that ability to bring yourself into the present moment. And sometimes we need an external stress to show us that we can be present because where you're in a truly stressful fight or flight situation, all your energy has to go to right now to be able to survive that moment. Nothing else matters. So we can take these individuals that are constantly stuck in their head, get them in an ice bath. And yeah, there's physical benefits, but those are going to be automatic. But the mental benefits, that's where we're taking big strides and they can see that, oh my gosh, I don't have to be thinking about this. I didn't even think about that for the whole two minutes. I was truly here focusing on my breath, focusing on my emotions, focusing on my control and nothing else mattered except for this moment. So once again, it shows people that it's possible to get out of your head, even for a little bit of time. And if we can just get a little bit of time today, maybe we can start adding on top of that day after day with more and more practice. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and you brought up how, uh, I mean, you laid out the parasympathetic and sympathetic responses very well. Um, one of the, the things that I feel people could relate to in that they have the ability to take the power back from that uh, and, and choosing that discipline and thought is understanding that when you go to sleep at night, you don't have to think about breathing. Your body just mm-hmm. does it. You know, when, when mm-hmm. you're sitting there watching Netflix, your body just does it. Um, mm-hmm. But we can choose to take that over. Yeah, we can choose to hold our breath. We can choose to take a deep breath, hold it, and let it out. We can take that control from that autonomic nervous system and and harness it and use it. And and uh, so let's talk about the breathing aspect of it now. I know Absolutely. I've talked a little bit about box breathing on my on earlier episodes, but I know there's more to it than that. So why don't you break down the uh, the neuroscience in regards to how this is going to help us focus how this is going to help benefit us absolutely so you know with the whole method what we're trying to learn is to how to handle process but more importantly let go of stress 
And when you're done with a breathwork session, you are automatically going to put yourself into the parasympathetic aspect. Because what we're doing is we're creating a controlled stress through something called intermittent hypoxia. Hypoxia means lack of oxygen. Now, it's extremely safe in very, you know, short doses like we're doing. You know, and a big term that's really important, I don't know if I talked about this last time, is hormesis. You know, hormesis is putting your body in a certain stressful situation for a certain amount of time to adapt and become stronger. Whereas if you put yourself in that situation for too long, it would be detrimental. You know, when people go work out of the gym, they're not going to bench press for 15 hours straight. They're going to do a very specific set, very specific amount of reps, very specific amount of rest to allow their body to adapt and become stronger. And that's what we're doing with the breath work, a very specific set, very specific reps, very specific routine to teach your body how to become resilient to stress. And more importantly, how to let go of that stress and show yourself how you can switch that that flip that switch from sympathetic to parasympathetic. And so we're using that intermittent hypoxia. And the way that we explain it is as humans, we breathe based off the amount of CO2 or carbon dioxide in our body. We don't breathe based off the amount of oxygen. So the higher the carbon dioxide that's built up in our body, the faster and harder we have to breathe. The lower the carbon dioxide that's built up in our body, the less we have to breathe which is why when we're working out, we're doing skills courses of building up all these gases inside our body. We have to breathe extra fast to get all that stuff out. But when you and I are just having a conversation or you're relaxed at home and your body is in a complete state of rest, we don't have to breathe as much. And this is what free divers use to be able to hold their breath for 20, 25 minutes on a single breath. They purge all their carbon dioxide they raise their oxygen and it allows them to hold their breath for what we think is a superhuman amount of time, but it's something that we can literally all do with the right amount of practice. Now, this is not a free diving method at all, but there are some similarities with the physiology. So with the breathing routine that we do, we breathe a certain way for roughly you know 30 to 40 breaths. And our goal is to raise oxygen as high as we can and lower carbon dioxide as low as we can. And after those 30 to 40 breaths, when we begin to hold our breath, it's called the breath retention, your oxygen saturation is going to go down. But even though it's going down, since oxygen is not our trigger to breathe, we don't have to breathe because our CO2 is still super low. Our CO2 is our trigger. So oxygen is lowering, CO2 is slightly rising. And by doing the breath work this way, it gives you the chance to hold your breath for longer than you probably ever thought possible. And then what happens is as that oxygen saturation is dropping, your brain, which is not used to being without oxygen, thinks that there is a stressful situation, a fight or flight survival mode that we have to go in to survive. You know, I've hooked myself up to our cardiac monitors at work and ours lowest ours go is to the less than 50% mark. And I get there every single time I do the breathing less than 50% oxygen saturation. Wow. And I feel completely fine. But your brain, once again, thinks that you're in trouble. So what does it do? It taps into that amygdala, which activates that sympathetic nervous system through the HPA axis. Mm -hmm. You're going to dump adrenaline, you're going to dump noradrenaline, and you're going to dump cortisol. But as soon as that CO2 gets high enough and you have that trigger to breathe, you take a deep breath in and you resaturate all those cells that we just desaturated. And since now there's no more stress, right? The hypoxia is gone. We're back to 100% oxygen saturation. Cortisol goes back up to the brain and it says, hey, there's no more stress. 
you can switch from that sympathetic fight or flight to the parasympathetic right now. And so it gives your body a physical tool to physically put you into the parasympathetic state through breathing. And we do that three, four rounds. And by the time you get to the fourth round, you're holding your breath for a minute and a half, two minutes, two and a half minutes, maybe three minutes, something you never thought possible. And then once you take that deep breath in, that whole stress is now gone and you end in the parasympathetic. So what we're doing with our physiology, we're putting ourselves in a controlled fight or flight environment in order to allow ourselves to release those hormones and once those hormones are released, cortisol goes back up and it says, you can turn the system off. We're safe. We're good. There's no harm. There's no more stress. And also importantly, it shows you that in this relaxed state, because we're laying down breathing, we're completely relaxed. We're completely chill. Even though we're dumping these hormones, these stress hormones, we don't have to react. We can stay calm. We can stay collected. And so the more and more that we practice, the more and the more that we train taking these hormones in, releasing them from our brain and our kidneys, when we take that to the real world and now we have a stressful event happening, whether it's in your personal life or at work on a structure fire with a victim trapped or whatever it is, your body is used to these hormones and it's used to being relaxed. It's used to being calm. It's used to being clear headed. So then we can transfer that thought process to a real life event. So now we're learning how to handle stress, process stress, and then more importantly, we've taught ourselves how to send cortisol back up to the brain to say the stress is over. We no longer need to worry about it. So we're able to let go of that stress in the moment and not carry it with us. Does that all make sense? Oh, man, you laid it out perfectly. Yeah, very practical, helpful to understand. Um, yeah, and, and I love the idea when you stated that, you know, everything we need is inside of us. You know, it's all there. It's at the ready. We just have to learn how to harness it. And and this is absolutely, absolutely one of those ways that we can do that. Um, you talked about um, controlling our breathing in regards to exercise. And, and as, a, as a personal trainer, uh, when I train clients on the side, and even when I train, you know, fellow firefighters who are looking to kind of shape things up, it's amazing how often I have to remind people to breathe because mm -hmm. yep. they, they, they just, their body takes over mm -hmm. and they are trying so focused, so, so hard and so focused on performing that movement that they almost forget to breathe. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and this method with practice teaches you to be conscious of your breathing at all times. Cause when we're exercising, you know, once we start to lose that breath on the other side of things and we hyperventilate, let's say we're doing a skills course and yeah. we're breathing super fast. Once you lose that breath, everything else falls off behind that. But yeah. if we can maintain control of our thoughts, of our emotions, knowing that we don't have to let this external environment, whether it's 120 degrees outside in July and we're doing stairs or we're in a fire, we're in control of how we react at any given moment of any given day. And it starts with your breath. And you yep. talked about the internal pharmacy. One thing I want to bring up is one of the stress hormones that we release with both the breath work and the cold is norepinephrine or noradrenaline. Noradrenaline there's been one study with the, with the, with the cold therapy at about 40 degrees Fahrenheit for 30 seconds, three days a week, you increase your norepinephrine um, intake by almost 300%. Now, norepinephrine is one of our major anti-inflammatories. 
So this helps with pain. That's why ice baths are good because it helps that norepinephrine intake or uptake, however you want to say it. It increases that to then decrease your inflammatory process. Also, norepinephrine is a precursor to serotonin, which is a precursor to dopamine. And a lot of people, when they have anxiety or depression, are taking, you know, selective serotonin, you know, reuptake inhibitors to help release those chemicals in the brain. Well, if we're controlling the release of our hormones through breath work and cold, releasing these stress hormones, we are going to increase that naturally because norepinephrine is a precursor to the serotonin and the dopamine. Norepinephrine increases, serotonin increases, and dopamine increases. So then we become more in control of how we're feeling at any given moment on any given day. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and to bring up the point, like people call us first responders and that's how we need to behave. We need to respond. We don't, we're not first reactors. You know, we don't, mm, it's, point, people yeah. expect us to keep our shit together and, and mm -hmm. be focused on the fire ground and be the ones who can keep things in control mentally. Um, and, and one of the things you mentioned when, you know, we do things like skills course or SCBA training, maybe confined space training or entanglement stuff, like the high mm -hmm. mental, uh, high mental stressors. I've seen mm -hmm. guys who've been on for 20 years freak out in those things. Mm -hmm. And, and they had never done that before, but they have gotten to a point where their stressors in their personal lives, maybe, or even stressors about bureaucracy at work or whatever it may mm -hmm. be, have taken over and they haven't been able to mitigate that and so they get in this this thing that they've done a thousand times and for whatever reason they just lost it and they couldn't finish yeah. it out or whatever it is but yeah great point you know and we talk about you know like the letting go of stress is important but building resiliency to it so you know an analogy i use is let's take an untrained individual has never lifted a weight in their entire life and like I said, never lifted a weight. So they've never done anything before. And I say, all right, we're going to start with bicep curls. Very simple. We're going to go three sets of 10 at five pounds. That's all you're going to do. And for someone who's never experienced that stress before, it's going to be difficult for them, right? It's going to be hard mm -hmm. for them to do it because they've never, ever trained that muscle. Mm -hmm. And then I call them the next day. I'm like, hey, how you feel? And they're going to say, I'm sore. My, yeah. my bicep, my arms are sore. Yeah. They had a hard time handling, processing, and let go of that stress. But if we continue to train that person over eight, 12 weeks, whatever it is, let's say we get to week 10 and now we're doing, you know, three sets of 10 with 20 pound dumbbells. And I asked the next day after that, Hey, let's go back to that first day. I want you to do three sets of 10 with five pounds and tell me how that feels. Well, they're going to say this stress is light as a feather. This is easy. Yeah. Okay. I call them the next day. Are you sore? Well, no, I'm not sore because that was easy. Yeah. With something that was difficult for them to handle process and let go through proper training became super easy so something that was heavy became light as a feather yeah. and what we're doing fundamentally with this method is we're using that same concept but working within our own physiology the basic parts of who we are as human beings learning how to handle process and let go of stress so those things that used to weigh super heavy on you those things that used to be extremely difficult for you to handle whether it is the calls at work whether it is fatigue of not sleeping whether it's the personal stressors relationship stressors financial stressors those things that used to be heavies and anvil through practice now taking control of your physiology become light as a feather and they don't impact you like they used to yeah. And that's how we build resilience to use through a proper training program, allowing our body to our physiology to adapt over a period of time 
to take those stressors that were super difficult and now we can handle them, process them, and more importantly, we can let them go. Yeah, amen. Um, you had mentioned resilience and we have a lot of that word floating around in the fire service right now. We have resilience training, we have all of this. And I feel like there's a lot of people who don't know and or understand how that practically applies. Um, maybe they understand the definition of the term, but you did bring up the idea that as you adapt, you know, you improve in that situation. And honestly, that's how I define it, improved adaptability. You know, when people say resilience, I immediately think improved adaptability. And then if somebody's struggling with whatever it is in regards to resilience or understanding that concept, I just try to keep it simple in regards to improved adaptability. And like yeah. you said, the, uh, the five pound weight, mm -hmm. it's going to feel the next day. It's you're, you're definitely going to be feeling it if you haven't mm -hmm. ever done that before. And then as you, as you grow and as you continue to remain committed and consistent in that thing, your body is going to make those adaptations you know, with or without your active choice, it will adapt on its own. And then the thing I love about that is that, and you kind of painted this scenario a little bit, is that the mind will follow the body and how easy it has become. So someone who has been training that way for a long time, and then you've, you've bumped them up in those bicep curls, and now they're curling 45 pound dumbbells. Well, when you when you present them again with that five pound dumbbell for three sets of 10 or whatever, it's almost laughable to them. And it's like, they don't even realize that, that their body has conditioned their mentality has allowed that, that pure facilitation to happen to where it's laughable. And it's, yeah. it's not even a challenge anymore. And, and it is exactly the same thing when it comes to this, <laughs> Except it's the most basic fundamental of who we are. It's our physiology. It reacts in every situation. And, you know, stress has no bias. So if we can learn, like I said, to handle process and let it go, whatever the situation is. So like I said, we were up for 24 hours straight yesterday. I know that's not going to damage my entire day because I know how to reset the nervous system. I know that that stress that used to be heavy as an anvil that would destroy me for the whole next day is now light as a feather. So it doesn't, it doesn't impact me like it used to because I've trained my ability to handle it, process it and let it go. Mm -hmm. Yep. Exactly, man. That's great. So we talked a little bit about cold therapy. We talked mm -hmm. about breathing. Um, let's talk about the commitment aspect of it. I, I've been in an ice bath before I've been in that situation. I actually love it. I thrive in it. I actually gotten to the point where I look forward to it mm -hmm. because I know the things that are associated with it. Um, but boy, does that take commitment? to get into yeah. that water and stay yeah, it, there. It does. And, and, and with the ice, what I really want to caution people, you know, what we're doing here, the breath work and the ice, they can be dangerous if done incorrectly. So you really need to learn the right and the safe way to do this, to allow your body to adapt over a period of time. Mm -hmm. Because if you do too much too soon or too long too soon, it can become significantly dangerous and it can hurt you. Yeah. So with the ice, you know, all when these temperatures are this low, you know, 30, 35, 40 degrees, we're only going in for two minutes because that's all we need. Right. And the reason that we need two minutes in the ice bath is in a true fight or flight situation, your body has about 90 seconds to choose to adapt to its environment or run away. 
Now, we're not going to let you run away because we're going to coach you through that aspect. We're going to coach you how to get control of your breathing when you thought you couldn't gain control. And about that 90 second mark, and it happens almost every time since you're staying, you're giving your, your body the ability, the opportunity to adapt to its environment. All of a sudden, you're like, okay, I'm staying in here. I got to make some changes internally. So your physiology starts working. It starts sending warm blood where it needs to go. You start to take a deep breath. You start to relax. And people that were freaking out when they first got in there, by the end of those two minutes, they're looking at me like, oh, that was no big deal. And that's why that's all we're trying to train. Nothing beyond that. We don't need to go five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. All I want people to see and understand is that we can activate that fight or flight stress response by jumping into freezing cold water. We can give our body physiology the opportunity to adapt, which only takes about 90 seconds. And once we've gained control with that 90 second to two minute mark, that's all we're trying to accomplish. Because then once you get out of that ice bath, that stress is no longer there. Well, we know what happens in the brain. Cortisol goes back up and says the stress is over. We can shut off and we end in parasympathetic. And we can spend the rest of our day there instead of going home in that on that verge of fight or flight all day long. We've almost hit that reset button. So we can now be engaged. We can be present. We can be happy. We don't have to be irritable. We can actually have a good day because our physiology is exactly where it needs to be. But like I said, it's important to do it slowly over a long period of time. So what I tell people is we need to go slowly. So, you know, we start with cold showers and obviously living in Phoenix, Arizona, this time of year, yeah. cold shower isn't really a cold shower, but it still might be something. Right. You know, exactly. We, it, it's still a shift it, and it's, it's still a, a decrease in temperature. Yeah. Right. So, you know, what I tell people is, you know, take a hot shower as long as you want the right in the middle of it, turn that handle all the way cold for 30 seconds and just feel that difference, feel that stress response. Think, you know, where are your thoughts? Where are your emotions? And do that for as long as you need to until that 30 seconds just doesn't impact you like it used to. And then however long that takes, the next time you do it, you go for a minute and then you go for a minute and a half and then you go for two minutes. Then eventually you just start with a straight cold shower until we can work ourselves up to just a 10 minute cold shower and it feels good, it feels comfortable. We actually, like you said, almost look forward to it as yeah. crazy as that sounds to some people, you start to seek out the cold because it is feeling that it gives you on the inside. Yeah. And then once we've reached this point of resilience to that stressful environment, now we can start doing the ice baths on a fairly regular basis to continue to challenge ourselves, continue to push ourselves safely. So we're constantly learning how to turn that stress response on, but more importantly, turn that stress response off. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. So those are some good practical steps for the, uh, the cold therapy aspect of things. But in regards to breathing, and like I had mentioned earlier, uh, I've talked about box breathing before, but what are some of the like small practical steps you, you could give someone who's listening today that wants to maybe try something out to help be conscious in their breath work and help facilitate that taking that first step? Yeah. Yeah. Great. And, you know, and like you said, there's, there's lots of different breathing routines out there. This is one there's thousands and this, the breath work has been around for as long as humans have been around. They've, they found, you know, benefits in it from, you know, the Buddhas or the Tibets, you know, whatever, wherever you, you want to go, breath work is a part of a lot of different cultures. So, you know, what I'm talking about today, it's not the end all be all. There's lots of right. different aspects, lots of different great research, lots of different great resources that you could look into. You know, I just found this super beneficial for me and a lot of people that I work with. So the first thing I tell people is to start to be aware of your breathing. Don't let it be so automatic. 
So like when you're going on a call and it's a stressful call, just take a deep breath in and let it go and just be aware, breathing in and breathing out, just to bring awareness to you, your breath and how you feel. And then, you know, as far as some resources go, you know, the interweb is a fantastic set of resources, sometimes not so great resources and sometimes really great resources. So you really need to pick and choose where you're, where you're finding, you know, things that you're watching or practicing. And so, you know, I have a ton of videos out there that I did during the pandemic for Exos when they had a whole oh, yeah. Exos at home program. Yeah. I went on Zoom once a week, we opened it up to the whole world and whoever wanted to join, I'd take them through 20 minutes of this specific breath work with a little five minute intro about the science. And then we do three rounds of breathing and I explain to you exactly what you're doing, exactly how to do it so you can learn how to start to practice this method safely. And then, you know, Wim Hof, he has an app that's on iPhones and Androids that's part of it's free and part of it's paid for. And I, I use his app every single day. I pay for it and it's well worth the money. And that's what I use to guide me through my breath work so I know I'm doing it correctly. And I know I'm nice. doing it safely every single time. So, nice. you know, lots of options. Do your research. Be smart about it. Don't push it. And a big part about the breath work is we only do the breathing in a very safe environment because you can get very lightheaded, there's risk of passing out, but you can't hurt yourself. You cannot hold your breath till you die. Your, your body's right. going to figure it out. And as long as we're laying down in a very safe environment, if something happens, you're gonna wake up and it's gonna be okay. Right. In fact, I got a text today from a firefighter I took through the method last week. He's like, hey, I think I kind of passed out during the last round, is that okay? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, as long as you were in a safe spot, you got pretty deep and that's kind of what happens. And you're, he said he felt amazing afterwards when he kind of is like, oh, okay, the breathing session's over. He said he felt great and that's super important as long as we're doing it in a very safe place. So never do it while you're driving, never right. do this specific breath work in or around any body of water. The right. breathing we do in the ice bath is very different. It's very controlled. You really need to have someone there to kind of coach you through how to do it, but they're separate entities. So being yeah. very safe about it is super, super important. And speaking of the safety things, there's two people who cannot do the breath work. That's the contraindication for is anyone with a history of epilepsy or anyone who's currently pregnant. Um, there just hasn't been any studies done, you know, in the hypoxia, lack of oxygen with the fetus, you know, right. we're going to assume that's not good. So yeah, that's never not, good. Yeah, not something you want to do if you're pregnant. And since we're changing so many chemicals in the brain, if you have a history of epilepsy and seizures, we really don't want to risk something happening that could be detrimental to you. Obviously talk to your doctor, talk to your physician. If you do have something like that and see what they think, but as far right. as the method goes, those are the two major contraindications of individuals who should not practice this specific breath work. Now there's other stuff out there, but not this one. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. 100%. Um, and I like how we talked about each one in a different capacity because like you said, you're not going to combine that, that intensive breath work with the cold therapy. You're not going to be in that environment and then trying to, double up, I guess, double up your efforts with that breath work. Cause that's just not going to wind up good. Not very dangerous. But awesome, man. Well, uh, to wrap up, let's, uh, what is, why don't you share with us what your routine, let's say you, you're coming off duty. Like today mm -hmm. you came off duty. What, what does mm -hmm. your routine look like when you're, when you come off duty, do you start with your breath work and then finish out with your cold therapy or how does that work? What does that look like? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. That that's my routine every single time. So like today, you know, we got back to the station around just after 6am and we were up all night. I'm like, you know what? 
there's no reason to go back to sleep. So I laid in my bed and I did my three rounds of breathing and, you know, felt great. And then I went from there and I have like a little camping shower that I bring with me to work and I fill up a five gallon bucket full of ice water and I put my camping shower in it and I can take my freezing cold showers at work to learn how to control my breath in that environment. And that's what I do at work. And now when I'm at home, I have my chest freezer ice bath that I've set up in my, in my garage. And if I don't get a chance to do it at work, you know, my wife is amazingly supportive. My six-year-old son knows, you know, when daddy's doing his breath work, it's his time. He needs his 20 minutes to go do it so he can be with us the rest of the day. So my wife is like, Hey, go, go do your thing. You know, I'd rather have you at a hundred percent the rest of the day than you here right now and 50% the rest of the day. Yep. So that family support and, and, you know, she sees the benefits like we've talked about the relationship benefits. So if I get home after a long shift, I just go in my room and I shut my door, do my three, four rounds of breathing, get my bathing suit on and jump in my cold tub. And then my day is good. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to have a great day with a crazy six-year-old boy who just wants to rough house and ride mountain bikes <laughs> and the crazy stuff. And whatever my wife wants to do or honey do list, I'm like, all right, let's go do it. I'm ready. Yeah. I hit my reset button. I feel good. Awesome, man. Right on. And that 20 minutes is like you said, it's worth that. It's worth spending that like you're basically making that purchase for the rest of your day and the rest of your days off. And uh, that's so great that she's right there with you. And I know she, she wholeheartedly supports you. And that's awesome, dude. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, uh, we, uh, we, we left your information on the last one, but let's do it again. Where can people, where can people find you? Yeah. The website is connect to it.co. Um, on Instagram, it's at connect to it. I, I try and post some tips about taking cold showers and their breath work and, you know, specifically for first responders, but understand this is for any human out there. Every human experiences stress. It doesn't have to be a firefighter, police officer, military, a veteran, a doctor. It doesn't matter. Every human experiences stress. And this is accessible to every single person out there. And so, like I said, there's plenty of great resources out there. There's plenty of great instructors out there. I'm just one of them. And I just, you know, want to have a passion for helping people find whatever it, it is that they need to be successful in life and, and just be happy, strong, and healthy. That's awesome, man. No better way to end. Thanks Same. again for coming on, man. I know we'll be in touch and, and I'm sure we'll have you on again sometime to kind of explore the endless elements of all of this, but I appreciate awesome. you, my man. No, thank you for doing this once again. It's a great platform and I appreciate you. Thank you. Man, I always have such a good time talking to him. He knows so much about the human body, and I'm very interested in all the aspects of humanity, psychological, emotional, and especially physical, which is a huge part of what we do, not only when we respond to EMS calls, but in order to maintain our own standards so that we can do the job that we love so much. I hope you guys got a lot out of this one. Please leave a rate and review. It goes a long way. Um, I get a lot out of these conversations and I hope you do too. So the more you can leave a rating and a review, the more we can get found on different social media and podcast platforms and the more the message can be heard. So please do me a favor, do people like Ben a favor and share their message, give a rating and review and help spread the fire. And remember, if you see a need, own it and take action. Be the firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited.